What's going on, NBA fans? This is Kevin Haswell coming at you with Blake Pace for our next episode of Courtside Take. Blake, how you doing? Not bad. How about yourself, Kevin? Pretty good. So uh, we'll get this episode started. Oh, I forgot to mention we have Matt Wyrick on the show, um, CEO and co-founder of Pure Sports Network. Excited to have you on. How you doing? I'm feeling good. Just wrapped up another episode of the Pure Sports Pod, which will be going live soon. So you have lots of uh, NBA takes from us today. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the past couple of weeks we've been doing our position rankings, uh, top five at each position. Today we'll do power forwards. Blake, I'm really interested. You know, who are your top five power forwards in the NBA? Yeah, so my, I, was, I spent a lot of time thinking about this list. And starting off at number five, I had Blake Griffin, um, which might be a little low. I don't know. I think that was probably position. He's, you know, averaging, you know, oh, almost 23 points, eight rebounds, and over five assists per game. Shooting is uh, is really down, though. I mean, he's shooting 34% from three, 44 from the field, and uh, free throw percentage is better, but still around 78%. Um, the biggest knock I have on Blake Griffin is, is availability, um, and that's the best ability you can have in the NBA. I mean, he hasn't played over 70 games since 2013-2014. Exactly, and, and with the Clippers looking kind of like a mess right now, that's why I have him behind some of these other guys. And then at number four, I have uh, Kevin Love um, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, 18 points a game, almost 10 rebounds, shooting 40% from three, 46% from the field, and almost 90% from the free throw line. Uh, you know, a PER of 23.1, you know, a lot has been going wrong for the Cavs this season, but I can't say, I mean, people question, he has the character issues, you know, did he skip that game earlier this week against OKC? Um, but, you know, he has been a bright spot for the team who did lose, you know, their secondary player in Kyrie Irving. He's filled in that role as a secondary scorer. Um, and number three, my guy, Kristaps Porzingis, um, 23 points a game, almost seven rebounds, shooting 43%. For almost uh, 39% from three, 80% from the field uh, free throw line. Um, the reason I have Kristaps more above uh, Kevin Love and Blake Griffin is um, his defense. Uh, he's leading the league in blocks per game and total blocks. Um, he's been a you know a great uh, rim protector for the Knicks this year. And um, sure, if you know Kevin Love was maybe you know the number one option on a team, his numbers would be more inflated towards where Kristaps are. But um, you know he is playing alongside LeBron, and I think Kristaps has done a great job, you know, keeping the Knicks in the middle of the pack in in the Eastern Conference. And then at number two, I have Draymond Green, who's having kind of a down year statistic wise, but you know that just comes with playing on a team with three other All Stars. Um, only you know eleven points a game, eight rebounds, seven assists. Shooting is also down a little bit, especially from three, shooting 30% from the three, uh, and um, effective field goal percentage of 52.9. Um, you know, Draymond is is the defensive mentality for the Golden State Warriors, and, you know, Kevin Durant has really turned into that big rim protector, but, you know, um, you know, covering guys, covering different positions on the court, Draymond has done a really nice job offensively and defensively. You know, he keeps the ball moving um, in that great offense. And then at number one, I have Anthony Davis. The unibrow uh, in New Orleans, um, 26.5 points per game, over 10 rebounds, shooting 55% from the field and 33% from three, a PR of 28.2, win shares of eight. You know, he's, I thought when he had, you know, his first historic, you know, two seasons in the NBA, I, I remember saying that, man, he could really challenge as one of the greatest power forwards of all time, you know, put himself up there with, you know, Carl Malone, uh, Tim Duncan. Um, but, you know, Unfortunately, just lost Marcus Cousins in what was, you know, in the midst of a really good season, but he's still the number one power forward to me. Yep, and, you know, that DeMarcus Cousins injury uh, won me some money from Matt Wyrick, so yeah. excited for that. But 
You know, I'll, I'll go with a different number five. I got Nikola Jokic at number five. Um, what he's done for this Nuggets team, you know, really getting them into the playoff hunt in the Western Conference, averaging 16.1 points, 10.5 rebounds, 5.3 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.2 three-pointers. He's done everything for this Nuggets team. You know, I really like what he can do. He's, he's kind of the next coming on Marcus Saul uh, passing-wise. I mean, what he can do, you know, from the post passing-wise is, is great. Um, number four, I'm going to go with Kevin Love. Uh, I, I really like you know the way he's playing this year. It's actually we're look, we're talking about this on the Pure Sports Pod. Uh, he's having the best year he's ever had with the Cavs, um, player efficiency rating wise. Uh, you know fourth best of his career. So uh, I really like Kevin Love there. And then Kristaps, I have number three. Um, you know positional value. Uh, you know he's just been great for this Knicks team. I, I really you know I, I like Joel Embiid better, but Joel Embiid's a center. So, you know, I'm going to argue that till the day I die that Joel Embiid should have made the All-Star team or should have been a starter in the Eastern Conference over Kristaps. Um, like, but we had this argument last episode. That's why I'm talking about it. Um, and then number two, I have uh, – I just lost my train of thought. Who do you have number two? Draymond. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I have Draymond number two. I, I'm looking at this list and I get lost in the list. You uh, guys are both missing one key guy in this list. In this if you're going to say LaMarcus Aldridge, he does not deserve to be in the top five. The top five? No. no. You pull player efficiency rating in every conversation yeah. you ever have second among power forwards this year behind Anthony Davis. Okay, well, let me finish my and list. And you include we'll Blake Griffin? We'll get to yours. Who has Obviously, not even, I think oh. it's unanimous here that Anthony Davis is, is number one. one. Uh, you know, what he's been able to do defensively this year, 2.1 blocks, 1.2 steals, and then offensively, over 26 points a game. And he's a no-brainer, number one. And what Draymond can do defensively is by far better than, you know, better than everyone but Anthony Davis. So, um, really like Draymond, too. So, that my top five goes Anthony Davis, um, Draymond Green, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, Kevin Love, and Nikola Jokic. Matt, let's hear yours. All right. My first, my number five, the guy we haven't talked about, Nikola Mirotic. Of the Chicago Bulls. It's a bold pick. It's a bold pick. All right. Only averages 16 points per game. You know, not even a lot of rebounds in 6.4. 22.3 player efficiency rating, though, in part because he's the best three-point shooting power forward in the NBA at a blistering 43% uh, from behind the arc. There's a guy that, you know, in a Bulls team where you're not getting a lot of offense, you really haven't, you know, seen anything to really like out of them. They're going to be a Top five pick in the draft, uh, you know, granted lottery and everything, um, for sure. Uh, this honestly, I think Miritich is a star of the Bulls, and uh, from a you know a, a standpoint, he was an All Rookie player in 2014. Kind of you know struggled with injuries a year after, and then uh, wasn't the same last year. But this year has really come back uh, with a vengeance, raising his three point shooting percentage by almost 10. percent I mean, this is this is a player who, you know, I think at only 26 years old has a great future in the NBA uh, and a really underrated star, in, you know, across the league. So, quickly, his defensive box plus minus is negative 1.2 this year. One of the worst defensive power forwards in all of basketball. That's why I got to keep him off my list. I keep <laughs> yeah. him outside the top 10, too. Um, outside ooh, the top 10. Yeah. I might have him in at, like, 9 or 10, but... I very close, close, very close. But 5, kind of pushing it. But keep going. <laughs> All right, you, know, you guys are the NBA guys, right? So, you know, 
<laughs> whatever whatever you say goes. I can't put Blake Griffin in the conversation simply because, you know, I weigh this year the most, but I also have, you know, have to include a couple, you know, last years too. Mm-hmm. And I, I really just haven't seen enough of him yeah. to really call him. I mean, he hasn't been, you know, an, an all-NBA player since he was 24 years old. I mean, yeah. to be completely honest, you have to play a complete year, and he just hasn't been able to do that. He's certainly a great talent, and I think if he can put together a full season – you know, we have a completely different narrative, mm-hmm. but just the way we are right now, I can't do it. I have to put Kristaps uh, at number four. Uh, we've already mentioned him, so I won't you know go into too much, but the guy has, is an otherworldly talent, only 22 years old, uh, somebody who is going to be carrying the Knicks for a long time. He's going to be the face of, of that you know franchise, so uh, mm-hmm. you know, great talent there. Draymond Green taking a step back this year, like we've said, um, but at the same time still you know, an otherworldly defensive player. Uh, you know, in the consistent conversation for defensive player of the year, I gotta include him. Um, and then number two is Lamarcus Aldridge for me. Uh, I'm curious as so why why before I get into anything, why do you guys have such a knock on on Aldridge? So I definitely think he's having an amazing season with San Antonio, and he's in my top ten. He's probably you know six or seven for me. But when I look at why he's having such a great season this year, I think it's inflated to being the number one um, scorer in that offense, missing Kawhi Leonard. He's, you know, averaging almost 18 uh, shots per game. Last year, he was around 14 and a half. Um, His PER, all of that stuff gets a little inflated when you're the number one scoring option. And I think that it would be a very different story if there was a fully healthy Kawhi Leonard playing a full season with the Spurs. Yeah, you know, I'm just not a fan of his defense. I mean, sure, he's been more efficient this year. He's he's having a nice bounce back year. Um, But I... The five guys that we both named, I think, are better. I think Nikola Jokic brings more offensively, passing-wise. I mean, Aldridge is very good. I'd probably put him at six or seven. Yeah. Probably you, you too. I mean, great player. Just don't know if he brings enough defensively to really be in that conversation to be in the top five. For me, I, I think, you know, like you say, without Kawhi there, you know, there's been an opening for him to make an impact. I think the fact that he's making that impact, the fact that he's been able to take mm-hmm. over a team has really impressed me. I mean, we had Kawhi get hurt in the playoffs last year. And, you know, while the Spurs didn't come out of that playoff series alive, I think Aldridge really showed that he could carry an offense. He could, you know, be that go-to scorer. He's never had to do that in his career. And he's putting on full display that he can be that guy. And so that's really, for me, uh, uh, what it is. But I have to bounce. So thank you guys so much for having me. Anthony Davis, obviously, number one. I won't waste your all's time there. But um, hope you all have a great show. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on, Matt. Well, you know. Usually a thing we do because we record Pure Sports Pod right before this. But um, we'll jump to our next topic. DeMar- like we talked about earlier, DeMarcus Cousins uh, out for the season. Uh, Achilles injury. Awful for the Pelicans. But, you know, they still got Anthony Davis, still got Drew Holiday, still got some talent there. Do you think they can make a push in the Western Conference even without DeMarcus Cousins? Um, I, I still think that with the way they've been rolling out, that, that that's a devastating blow to lose, you know, what I would say is the best center in football. We'll talk about that. Or football, man, basketball. Um, we'll talk about that next week. But um, He's all ready for goal to go on Wednesday. Yeah, right. And I just think that with DeMarcus Cousins missing out, you're still, you know, you're losing a huge piece, but you still have Anthony Davis. You still have, you know, great guards like Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo. Um, and one thing that Alvin Gentry had mentioned is that, you know, the Pelicans were supposed to be very active at the trade deadline, try and get, you know, a nice three or some nice depth on the bench. Yeah, we so, talked about that. Yeah, so I don't think that it's it's necessarily out of this world for them to still make the playoffs. It's going to be tough because, you know, as we saw when it was just Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, even when you had the likes of Brian Anderson and Eric Gordon with them, it was still a struggle to get to the playoffs. 
you know, there are some teams that'll be gearing up the second half of the season. You'll have to see how the trade deadline goes and what teams make moves. But um, I think the Pelicans, you know, they're not going to get that five seed. Um, they're not going to, I feel like they're more seven through nine at best. Um, hopefully they can stay in the playoffs because I love seeing Anthony Davis play uh, basketball, but you know, it's a, it is a devastating loss. Yeah. And you know, they're only 27 and 22 right now. I do see the trailblazers probably finishing ahead of them. The nuggets would be close. Um, the Clippers are probably going to fall out of it and the jazz, you know, I don't know. See, it's going to be tough for them not to make the playoffs. I think in the Western conference, I think they kind of have to. Um, but if I'm the Pelicans, I go and trade Anthony Davis now because you can, you're at the point where you're no longer going to be able to contend without DeMarcus Cousins, like you just talked about. So, you know, why not get the most value for Anthony Davis as you can uh, right now and, and, you know, really rebuild the team? I mean, think about the packages they could get if they traded him for, like, the Celtics. Oh, Celtics trade him, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and, like, a first-round pick yeah. for Anthony Davis. They could, they could instantly turn around their franchise and next year be – you know, just as good or better than they are right now if they trade Anthony Davis. But I don't think they will. Um, like you said, I think they'll be a 7 or 8 seed. But, you know, what do you think of them trading Anthony Davis? You know, I guess it comes down to me um, what you think is going to happen with DeMarcus Cousins this offseason. You know, he's set to be a free agent. He was having pro- possibly, you know, the best season of his career, especially, you know, the best basketball he'd been playing in New Orleans. Um, are you... Are you confident he wants to stay with the Pelicans? Because you had something going. And, you know, it would have been – I was so excited to watch this team in the playoffs because they're a matchup nightmare. I I can't think of any better power forward center combination in the Western Conference. And, you know, if you want to get easy buckets, you know, in the paint or, you know – and they can also spread the floor. You know, they're great passing, great rebounders, great defensively. I would have loved to see these guys. And, you know, maybe they could have pulled uh, pulled off an upset against one of these higher seeds, Uh, maybe, you know, like a Spurs or Thunder team. But – if you're trading Anthony Davis, I think you have to know that DeMarcus Cousins is gone. I think that um, if you're losing out on DeMarcus, you know that you know the next two years are basically going to be a wash for you and that you should try and get the best return that you can. And you know, like you mentioned, there are teams that would love to have Anthony Davis on their roster and can offer a lot in return. Um, so yeah, if, if DeMarcus is moving on, I would, you know, think about trading Anthony Davis, but if if you if DeMarcus Cousins has any interest in staying with the Pelicans beyond this season, I'd try and, you know, give it a go one or two more years. I mean, he's 24 years old. Uh, he signed through the 2021 season. I believe he has a team option for that year. And a career 26.8 player efficiency rate. I mean, he's one of the best players in the NBA. I mean, yeah. it would be like... You know Giannis hitting, uh, hitting you know the trade block. Yeah. I mean the the amount of uh, talent they get in return for Anthony Davis is just unreal, and I just think holding on to them is kind of a waste um, because they you know they're not there. Uh, we've we've talked about this on past episodes. If you're not really in contention, what's the point of keeping the team you have? Why why wouldn't you just trade for for value? Um, and with Demarcus Cousins getting hurt, that just accelerates the process. And I think they need to trade him, but you know we'll see. Um, we'll see what they do. I mean, I could I, I could honestly see the Pelicans, you know, buying at the trade deadline. You know, it, it might not be the best move, but I, I think they could. Yeah, if you want to keep things going. Like I said, they were playing great basketball. Before they lost to Marcus Cousins, they had won eight out of their last ten, you know, nine out of their last uh, 11, I guess. But, you know, they, they're just, they were playing great basketball. Um, and you had, you know, great outings from both Davis and DeMarcus. This is around the time where it's been a full year that they've been together and they've really been gelling especially with the guards healthy. Um, yeah, they needed bench help, and that was something they were going to look to upgrade. Um, 
you know, maybe maybe this is where you say, all right, let's go and get uh, Nikola Miritich, Matt's fifth best power forward. Um, I I think that you know he's you know he's a great scorer defensively, not the best, but you know if you pair him up against Anthony Davis, slide Davis to the center, you know that kind of keeps it, and then. Even, you know, when Cousins comes back or whatever you do, maybe you throw Miritich to the bench or even put him at the three because he is an undersized power forward, kind of. Um, I don't know. That was one move that I think I mentioned last week that would have been uh, that we talked about. It would have been a great move. I mean, you could have put him at uh, small forward yeah. with that lineup. But, you know, now that's kind of all out the window because who knows in, in that front office what they're thinking exactly. right now. I mean, do they think they're in contention? Because obviously we don't um, anymore. And I, I didn't think they were before. Uh, I think they were probably the sixth best team in the Western Conference, yeah. um, but you know, still a great team. Definitely, you know, could have gone up against some of the best in the Western Conference in the playoffs. Maybe won a couple games, but you know, this just sets them back tremendously. And you know, my opinion is just trade Anthony Davis and, and accelerate the rebuild process because I think after Demarcus Cousins leaves, you know, if you're stuck with Anthony Davis, at that point you trade him. But there's more value now. I mean, it just. A headache for the Pelicans. Yeah. So you're of the mindset that DeMarcus Cousins is gone. Yeah, I think he's gone. I, I don't know. I think he would rather sign with a contender, um, yeah. you know, maybe in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. I think a great fit would be the Washington Wizards, yeah, him alongside John Wall. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there's going to be teams out there that would rather pay. You know, the the Pelicans already paid to, uh, Anthony Davis, so they're not going to want to drop another you know, 100 to $200 million. They also just paid Drew Holiday this past offseason. Yeah, so they're not going to want to. You know, you're not not gonna want to get over that luxury uh, tax line. So you know, I, I think he's gone. And if he, if that's the case, then you gotta trade Anthony yeah. Davis. But we'll move on um, to the Thunder. Uh, you know, they've won eight straight. Play of Russell Westbrook has been tremendous. I mean, they're 30 and 20, fifth in the Western Conference. But big blow the other day. They lost Andre Roberson for the season. Uh, he ruptured his left patellar tendon. Uh, requires surgery and, like I said, missed the rest of the season. And he's arguably arguably one of the team's best defenders. Do you think this sets them back as a Western Conference contender? I think it hurts a little. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, who they slide into that um, two position because he had started every game he had played this season. Um, like you said, he's, he's one of the better defenders on that team. And even this season, he was having an okay season. You know, he's only taking four shots a game. Yeah. They know that he's not great on offense, but he was making 53% of his shots. Um, he was only averaging five points a game, but you know, like you said, he's out there more for defense. I'm not, you know, this isn't as this. Of course, you know, losing Roberson compared to losing Demarcus Cousins. Demarcus Cousins is such a bigger blow, uh, but I'm not really worried about losing Roberson because Westbrook and Paul George have been some of the best defenders in the NBA this year. Russell Westbrook's been the best on the team in defensive box plus minus at three point two. Roberson second. Uh, Paul George is actually seventh, but it's still positive. They have a ton of they have uh, eight guys with a bo- positive defensive box plus minus. So they they do have some defense left after Roberson, but mm-hmm. and and that's the thing. Like their defensive rating is fourth best um, in the league, uh, holding opponents to the fourth best um, points per game. Um, so I really don't think it's it's a huge blow. Yes, you're losing a starter who is you know mainly out there for defensive purposes. You can throw him on James Harden. You can throw him on Curry or Klay Thompson. Yeah. And, and that's something that is, is extremely important when you're in the Western Conference playoffs. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, they, like you said, there's so many uh, players, you know, in the positive for um, defensive plus minus that I'm not too worried about it. How, what are you thinking? You know, I, I think it's a tough loss, but, you know, that, that's why they went out and got Paul George this offseason. 
Um, you know, he, he brings a defensive presence, and I, you know, it's going to hurt them a little bit. Um, but, you know, I don't think it takes away because in the playoffs, I mean, we saw it last year uh, when they played the Rockets. Roberson was great on the defensive end, but on the offense, they would leave him open. They could play, you know, basically they could put five guys on four other guys. I mean, Roberson, <clears throat> such a liability on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, his offensive box plus minus this year is negative 1.2. I mean, it's one of the worst on the team. I, I think, you know, he, he does bring a lot defensively, but, you know, with the addition of Paul George, I don't think they need him as much anymore. And while it's going to hurt them a little bit, I think this team is, you know, hitting their stride right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, all this is going to do is give more minutes to Westbrook, George, Mello, all these guys that are playing terrific right now, Steven Adams. Um, it's going to give them more minutes, and, you know, I think they're better down the line from it. Yeah, and, and just like the Pelicans, you know, the Thunder are hot. They've won eight games in a row. Yeah, you lose a starter, but, I mean, they're playing great basketball. Like we said, I think we, this is one of the first things we said. Let's give the Thunder some time, and they have figured it out. Their defense yeah. has improved throughout the season. Offensive rating sixth, defensive, like I mentioned, fourth. You know, they are playing amazing basketball. What do you think is the – do you think that they can get that three seed? Do you think they can get above San Antonio by the end of the – uh, the regular season, or are they set in that four to five seed? I think it's possible. Uh, I mean, they've won eight in a row. They they scored 148 points against the Cavs. I mean, they they just they're gelling right now. The thing is, how many ga- do you know how many games behind the Spurs they are? Is it what point five or something? I don't I don't know. That's oh, that's I have it right here, actually. Oh, let me pull it up. Let's take a look because you know I I think they're good enough to, but it depends how far back they are. Um, they're actually. Three games, two and a half games behind. Okay, so two and a half games behind. Um, you know, I, I think they can do it. The, uh, I mean, eight in a row. The way their defense is playing. I mean, Roberson's going to hurt, but the Spurs team is definitely you know suffering from the loss of Kawhi Leonard. I think that's going to hurt them down the stretch. Uh, and, you know, this Thunder team lost a bunch of their games when they were still adjusting earlier in the season. Now, you know, they really hit their stride. So, you know, I really think they could get a three seed. I think it goes Golden State, Houston. Uh, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Minnesota. Minnesota at five. Yeah, I think Minnesota has the opportunity to also get a three, but I think at, by the end of the year, you know, the Spurs are still going to be better than them. Just you know, the pop. But, but what do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely think that they can um, end up as a three seed, especially the way they're playing on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. And you know, when I think about um, San Antonio without Kawhi, I kind of you know, Lamarcus Aldridge is having a good year, but I kind of worry about their offense. You and, know, and, you know, they got so many minutes on all these players. I mean, they're older guys. Yeah, they're I know Pop guys. knows how to manage the minutes, but, you know, down the stretch of the whole season, I mean, Manu Ginobili is the second oldest player in the league. I mean, he's 40 years old. Uh, how are those guys going to respond down the stretch? And, you know, this Thunder team, I mean, uh, some of their best players are, you know, in their mid-20s, so yeah. you know, and, that's the advantage. And so the thing that worries me with San Antonio, I'm not worried about their defense because Pop knows how to coach, you know, great defenses. Um, but their offense, I'm worried about, you know, sore arms or, you know, tired arms through the end of the regular season going into the playoffs. And then, you know, you look at Minnesota, who's also ahead of them right now. they got two games up on OKC. Um, Minnesota, I'm kind of worried about their defense going into the postseason because, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is still um, getting chirped at from Jimmy Butler, trying to, you know, give a better defensive effort. Andrew Wiggins still needs to improve on his defense. And while they have offensive potential, you know, Andrew Wiggins just put up, I want to say, over 40 over the weekend. Um, he had a great game. Uh, he struggles defensively a yeah, little bit. Though. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I worry about, you know, the Spurs offense going to the postseason, the Minnesota defense going to the postseason, but Oklahoma City, you can't, they've, they've got a great combination of both. Exactly. You know, fourth in defensive rating, sixth in offensive rating. I mean, yeah. they're doing it on both, both ends of the court, and that's, you know, 
that's what survives over the long haul. I mean, we're seeing with the Cavs. Cavs are one of the top five offensive teams in the NBA, but mm-hmm. you know, defensively, they're they're bottom of the pack. So I mean, that you know, that all these teams are struggling um, because they have you know a downside, and I don't think the Thunder team has a downside. I think they just need to gel uh, offensively, and you know, now they're up to sixth offensive rating, scary team. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I think they got a shot at that three seed. Definitely. And I think they definitely have a chance to go to the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. we'll see. I mean, they'll have to beat the Rockets. It'll be a, a matchup like last year. But, you know, let's move on. Carmelo Anthony and LeBron both meet, reached milestones last week. LeBron hit 30,000 points. Carmelo hit 25,000 points. You know, I, I just want to, you know, reflect on their careers. I know you're a big uh, Melo fan because you played for the Knicks. You're, you were down on him later in his career, but I'm sure you were happy when they got him at first. You know, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on Carmelo's, you know, career? Um, you know, yeah, I, I love Carmelo. I mean, I saw him play when I was what six years old at Syracuse University. Um, in his one season there, I remember my grandpa took me to a game, and I've I've loved Carmelo since. He was, you know, one of the first guys. I, you know, I grew up in Syracuse. He's one of the first guys I remember there. I was, you know, kind of wasn't into the NBA until Carmelo, and I followed him to the Nuggets. And when he came to the Knicks, it just made sense for me being from New York. And you know, I've I love Carmelo Anthony. He's one of my favorite players. Um. He's probably my favorite player, you know, throughout the course of a career. Kristaps might have the chance to take that over just because I love him so much. But, you know, I Melo's great. He's never going to get, you know, he's got a – I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know, his numbers are down this year. You know, that happens when you're the third option. You go from being the number one scorer to the third. You go down from 25 points per game over your career to, you know, 18. But he's still getting it done. Um, he's been a great – uh, you know, space the floor in OKC and shoot the um, and you know shoot corner threes, get buckets when you have to. Um, defensively, he's never been the best. You know, he was better when he was more athletic back in his Denver days. Um, but he's had a great career. People knock on him because he, you know, he doesn't get there in the, in the playoffs. He doesn't get to the finals. You know, the closest he got was that Western Conference Finals um, against the Lakers back in the late two thousands, um, and that was a good series. But you know. Melo, you know, he's got uh, an NCAA championship. He's got three or four Olympic gold medals now. Wait, how many does he have? And I don't even Doesn't say, that. yeah. Doesn't say on there. But, um, you know, Carmelo's career has just it's been something that I've loved watching. And to see him win now in OKC, I love that too. Because while he was, you know, he's losing in New York, everyone was hating on him. And I didn't really like seeing that. They, I feel like New York kind of treated him unfairly. But when he got to OKC... Um, things work great from the start, but he's found his role, and they, they're embracing him now. And I just, I'm happy to see him win. Yeah, you know, he's really turned around this year. I mean, earlier in the season, his player efficiency rate was down towards 12. Mm-hmm. He's almost climbed up to that 15 mark. He's at 14.6 right now. But you know, I just want to talk about like 16 years in the NBA. He's been terrific. A player efficiency rate of 20.6 for 16 years. That's pretty good, especially with a down year uh, this year. Definitely bringing that down a little bit. But you know, he, he's been. Over 36% from three for his career. Um, you know, career average of 24.4 points per game, 6.6 rebounds, 3.1 assists. He's played over a thousand games in the NBA. I mean, it's just hard to believe. I mean, he's he's one of the most transi- transcendent scorers the NBA has seen oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. in the last 20 years, and it's going to be. A different NBA once Carmelo and this class of players is gone. Yeah, and especially for the time that he became such a prolific scorer, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, you didn't have the likes of Steph Curry and Kevin Durant in the league yet. And so this guy who could just score from anywhere, it was amazing to see. And of course, now you see it in the league more often, you know, all over the place that, you know, the NBA has really gone into full, you know, just shooting array. But 
um, Carmelo was really one of those first guys to really start the trend of just being an all-around great scorer, you know, from the three, he's got the mid-range, he has inside game, he, you know, he was athletic in his Denver days to, you know, get to the rim, um, he could make free throws, he was a really all-around great scorer and, you know, one of the pioneers for, you know, that type of athlete in the NBA. Yeah, and you know he's had he won a scoring title. Um, he, he you know ten time All Star, six time All NBA. You know he's got the accomplishments. The only thing he's missing is the title. Yeah. We'll see if the Thunder can pull it out this year. Probably not, but we'll see. Um, but you know, props to Melo. Mm -hmm. A great career. Um, but let's move over to LeBron as well. Thirty thousand points. He kind of commemorated himself before it happened on Instagram. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, a little message to him as a younger kid. Uh, but you know twenty eight. Uh, player efficiency rating this year, 27.6 for his career, uh, 14 years in the NBA, uh, two, uh, three NBA titles, six-time All-Defensive, uh, four-time MVP, 13-time All-Star. I mean, I could go on for days. You know, what has Le LeBron James done so far in his career that has just, you know, astonished you? You know, what, what amazes me the most is that he is – He's a small forward. Yes, he he runs the offense. He you know essentially plays point guard um, throughout his entire career. But he's going to pass Magic Johnson in all time career assists. Like by the end of his career, he'll be he'll lead the league in you know career assists. It, you know it it doesn't seem far fetched that he can get um, the most points in NBA history. I don't think that's far fetched at all. So you've got a guy who, I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. And maybe you know. I'd love to see, you know, the difference between usage rates between some of these guys that, you know, have the the scoring title and the assist title. But if LeBron gets the scoring and assist title, which he should be on pace to do, that just amazes me. Because, I mean, you're talking about, it's like if if Tom Brady was leading. All-time rushing leader. Yeah, exactly. Was also the all-time rushing leader as well as, you know, touchdowns and, <laughs> I mean, passing touchdowns. It, it, it's just like. He's supposed to be a scorer, but he's also the best passer in NBA history. Or it's just—it's an unbelievable career. Yeah, he's currently seventh all time in scoring, uh, eight thousand points behind Kareem for for number one overall. But you know, he's only what thirty-four years old, I believe. So he's still got a lot of time. Um, thirty-three years old, even better. I mean, you know, he—he's got a chance to you know be the all-time leading scorer, all-time elite assister. I mean, what a career! I mean, he could you know might just win MVP again this year, yeah. uh, depending on how the Cavs end up this season. And that would be, what, his fifth fifth MVP. Um, and if they won the NBA title this year, which is not far-fetched, um, you know, they're not playing well right now, but that would be his fourth title, uh, five MVPs. I mean, he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Um, got, got some of the best nicknames of all time. I mean, King James, LBJ, Chosen One, Bron Bron, the Little Emperor, and the eight, Akron Hammer. I've never heard <laughs> half of those, but Akron Hammer. Um, you know, six eight, two fifty. I, I love his career, and you know, I, I'm excited because I think we'll see him play until he's forty years old. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because some of these guys, like we've seen from the same draft class, Mello and Wade, they've you know regressed a little. You know, Dwayne Wade coming off the bench, Mello's numbers are down. He's not great defensively or shooting as much anymore. Mm -hmm. But but LeBron, he's you know he's still just riding this out, and it doesn't seem like he has any signs of slowing down. It seems like he's even getting better. You know, since he came to Cleveland the second time, he just seemed to have been getting better. And I don't know how much longer to expect him to keep this up. You know, keep up the the twenty seven uh, eight and nine stat line. But like I I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. You know, for the next three seasons even. And he, he, I mean, he's consistent in the playoffs, 28 points, 8.9 rebounds, 
you know, 6.9 assists in the playoffs, shooting over uh, almost 50% in, you know, crunch time. I mean, LeBron's just been good. You know, he's never been bad. That's the thing about exactly, LeBron James. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's hard to – you could go on for days with some of the accomplishments he's, he's you know, done. And, you know, through all of the hate and everyone saying that he wasn't going to win a title, he won two titles in Miami, one in Cleveland. And, you know, he, he's really been – imagine if LeBron ended up playing on a team like the Warriors. He might just win 11 titles. I yeah. mean, he, he's that good of a basketball player. He's just been unfortunate with some of the teams he's played on. Um, but, you know, I, I still think, you know – we're just in the middle of his career, and it's amazing at 33 years old that he's having one of the best years of his career. Yeah, and then, you know, everyone loves to talk about, you know, Michael Jordan's better. He's got the six championships, yeah. uh, six MVP, six finals MVPs, um, five-time MVP. Six and zero in finals. Yeah, exactly, and, and that is a big deal, but my my biggest thing is, is like, he's had, like, like we've said, LeBron James hasn't had a bad season when, you know, when Jordan did come back, you know, towards the the later part of his career, you know, he was shooting, uh, he was averaging, you know, 21 points a game, shooting, you know, 43% from the field, 24% from three. You don't just, you, you don't see those numbers from LeBron. And yes, you know, he's not 38 years old yet, which is, you know, where I'm taking these from, from Jordan. But, you know, Jordan also missed ages 35 to 37. He missed the year when he was 30 years old. You've seen so many more games um, from LeBron James and, you know, in the postseason as well. He's played so many more games, so many more minutes. He stayed healthy. I really just – I don't understand. I, the only argument for Michael Jordan to me is, is the 6-0 in the finals. And, and that's a big one, but that's the only thing that's holding LeBron back from being the greatest of all time. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, his style of play when he gets older – We'll see where it goes to. I mean, he's really, really developed his three-point shot um, this year. He's shooting thirty-five uh, percent from three, which is you know pretty good, um, especially for you know his style of play. So I think he's gonna have to develop that a little bit more down the stretch. Um, but you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, what a career! And you know, well, I, I can't wait till the end of his career to really you know look at his accomplishments. Definitely. Um, so we'll go to the you know negative side of LeBron James this yeah. year. So the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, they're actually uh, six and eleven in the last seventeen games, uh, twenty nine and nineteen overall, third in the Eastern Conference. Not their usual place. Uh, really is struggling. You know, Isaiah Thomas has not been as good um, as he was. You know, with I mean, he we couldn't have asked him to be that good, but he wasn't as good as he was with the uh, Celtics last year. He started nine games. He's averaging fifteen points a game, uh, shooting thirty nine percent from the field. You know, is it you know the reason this Cavs team is struggling? Well he's, I, well, he's not the main reason. I think that he's a he's a big reason, um, especially when when you think of you know you compare him to Kyrie Irving, and yes, that situation you know might not have been even possible if Kyrie had just you know Kyrie didn't want to play there, and that, and that's just what it came down to. But when you replace him with a five nine point guard, one hundred and eighty five pounds, who needs the ball to score, who needs the ball in his hands to score, yes, that's going to be a huge problem, and. And Kyrie did a great job as an off-ball scorer. You know, LeBron would set up the plays, get Kyrie the ball. Kyrie would, you know, make a move or whatever. But he didn't need the ball the entire shot clock. And it seems like Isaiah Thomas kind of needs that. And and like I said, defensively, not great. Um, and you've seen Kyrie improve his defense. That might just be being under a great coach in Brad Stevens. But, you know, being taller also just helps with your defense. You're, you're a liability when you're 5'9 and 185 pounds. He hasn't been fitting in with the teammates. Um, you know, he's been chirping with Kevin Love a little. Um, there's that. Yeah, there's. He's not. 
the entire problem, but he stands out as, you know, one of the biggest problems to me. My thing is, you know, while they've struggled defensively, a lot of their, they've had a lot more offensive struggles than I thought they would. I mean, outside of LeBron and Kevin Love, who both have 20 plus, you know, 20 or above player efficiency ratings, I mean, Jeff Green's at 16, Dwayne Wade's at 16, and then below below average is Tristan Thompson, Derrick Rose, Kyle Korver, Channing Frye, Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder. All those guys are, you know, they're on the floor to be good offensive players, and they've all struggled. I mean, outside of um, outside of Iman Shumpert, I mean, most of those guys are on this team to be shooters. Uh, and, and I guess Jay Crowder, you know, he's on, he's on the team to be a good wing defender, which he hasn't been this year. Actually, a negative one point, uh, negative one point three defensive box plus minus. So. You know, he hasn't been playing well defensively. You know, there's just so much trouble with this team. And I, I'm, it's it's a complicated, you know, it's one of those thousand-piece puzzles you pick up yeah. from Barnes and I can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I just, he's, you know, his shooting stats are also pretty bad, too. 40% from the field, 27 from three. I mean, I know we were, we were picking on Lonzo Ball when his numbers were looking like that. Um, so, you know, Isaiah Thomas just hasn't seemed to, it, it was kind of like in Kevin Love's first year in Cleveland when LeBron subtweeted and was like, stop trying to fit out, fit in. You know, it seems like Isaiah Thomas is just trying to not fit in with this team. And, you know, he's also I, – I also need to, you know, cut him some slack. He's played 10 games. That's, that's, a, that's a huge deal. You know, he hasn't – he had a really bad cert, uh, injury this past season and missed an extended amount of time. Like like we said with, you know, the Thunder and the Bull – and the um, Timberwolves, all these teams that fit in new players, it takes time. But it's been pretty bad since Isaiah Thomas got started, and I'd be I'd be worried as as a Cavs fan. So, what do you think the Cavs do at the trade deadline? Do you trade that Brooklyn pick? Is there a is there a deal out there they can make to you know make them contenders in the finals, or or is this you know this is a message that they shouldn't go for it this year and they should keep that pick and you know save for the future? Um, I, I saw a hypothesized trade, and it made me think about one player that I would give up the Brooklyn pick for. And it, it was basically, it was this big four-team trade that was basically getting Cleveland the new front court of George Hill from Sacramento and C.J. McCollum from Portland. And so then you line up George Hill, C.J. McCollum, LeBron, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson. You, you completely revamp your backcourt, you know, with a great score in C.J. McCollum. Uh, George Hill, who is a good point guard and, you know, can you know, play, play defense, defense, exactly, which Isaiah Thomas can't, um, you would send the pick essentially to Portland because you're getting a young player like McCollum. That's a that's a kind of player that I'm okay giving so this broken pick So who else would they give up in that trade? Uh, they were giving up, I want to say, Isaiah Thomas was gone, uh, J.R. Smith was gone, Amon Shumpert, and the Brooklyn They're pick. They're trading half their team. Yeah, but they still have bench depth that like I'm fine with. So if you get rid of Shumpert and J.R. Smith, you still have on the wing on the bench, you still have Jay Crowder, Jeff Green, Kyle, Kyle Korver, and Derek you know, Rose, Derek Rose when he comes Wade. back, Dwayne Wade, exactly. So you know, guys like Smith and Shumper, I'm okay moving on from now. They've been there since the start, but they've also, you know, they've had some bad times and a bad season, I think. So I'm okay getting rid of both of them. I also think Channing Fry had to go in that, which is also, you know, a depth big man. But I'm okay also with when he you doesn't have, help defensively. No, he doesn't, and you know, you still have Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love. Um, but do you, do you see a blockbuster like this happening? I mean. It's all great and dandy for us to talk about. It's fun to do stuff like that. You know, it's fun to play video yeah, games and make exactly. those you know dream trades. But do you think they'll make that trade? Because I mean, yes. I mean, that, I think that would put them right in the hunt for an NBA title if they had you know CJ McCollum and George Hill and you pair it with LeBron. And you know, I just think that's a 
better fit for this team. Um, but do you think they make that move? I don't think they make the move for CJ McCollum. I think that the George Hill part of the deal is almost as good as done. I think we could see that happen within the next two weeks. Um, They'll probably get rid of their own first-round pick for George yeah, Hill, not and, the Brooklyn pick. Yeah, and I think they might send maybe someone like Channing Fry or Shumpert or Smith. Expiring contract. Exactly, or yeah, because, I mean, that's a – Sacramento paid George Hill a lot of money. So, and that's another thing that you got to kind of worry about is, you know, is Cleveland ready to take on a, a big salary like George Hill? So that's one thing. Um, I think George Hill does get done, though, and maybe on the flip side, maybe you try and do that Clippers trade that we've mentioned, and maybe that's where you give up the Brooklyn pick to bring in DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams. Maybe that's the trade. Um, it, it's it's so important that just you have to get the sense that management needs to know where LeBron's going, and I think they know. I think they know that LeBron is gone. So in the end, I don't think they make the trade where they give up the Brooklyn pick. I still think they do what they can to get George Hill and at least make a run to get to the finals. Because right now, I'm, I'm getting kind of worried about them in the Eastern Conference playoffs, and we can save that for another week. But I'm I'm kind of worried, you know, watching them play recently. Um, so I do think they need, you know, a defensive point guard like George Hill on that team. Um, do you the think end, they can make it work with Isaiah Thomas? No, I, I really think that Isaiah Thomas, unfortunately, is, is something that either they have to, you know, maybe you run him at the point and George Hill at the two on defense, but then, you know, George Hill, it's a huge puzzle. You know, it, there's so many complicated things that you'd have to do with Hill and Isaiah Thomas as your backcourt. That's one situation where I think they could make it work. They really have to pair him up with a great defensive guard alongside him. Um like they did with Avery Bradley last year. You know, that's where it kind of it helps you out when you have a great defensive guard sitting next to him. It, it's it's going to be tough to make it work with Isaiah Thomas, um, especially if you're pairing him alongside J.R. Smith, Dwayne Wade. Um, but at the end of the day, like you said, there's just so many problems with the Cavs. It's going to be interesting to see how it piles up over the next few weeks because what trade deadlines, February 8th? Yeah, that's coming up soon. So they're going to have to make some moves so, pretty so quick. So a week from Thursday. Oh, man. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for this trade deadline. I think there's yeah. a lot of potential. Definitely. And there's also a lot of potential for nothing to happen. So Yeah, just like um, the past few years. Yeah, it so always seems like there's there's going to be a ton of big deals yeah, and, and then nothing, happens. nothing happens. Like, you know, the Cavs will trade for some random player that, you know, might help them a little bit, but, yeah, but not, really. not a blockbuster <laughs> trade. Um, so that's going to wrap us up for today. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes um, and check out Pure Sports Network. We got some great articles up there. Uh, and thanks for joining us. Any last words, Blake? I go Knicks. Yep, trust the process. Go Sixers. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week.